0: The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I want to tell you an amazing story. I will tell you an amazing story. A story that happened with a relative of mine. I know he didn't tell it to me. I'll tell you how I know the story afterwards. A relative of mine, we're going to call him Reb Simcha. He never told it to me. He doesn't know why I know it. He would be mortified if he knew that I'm sharing it about him. So... That's all I'm saying. I have many, many, many hundreds of relatives. Can I know? so don't even try to guess. His relative is a wonderful, hush of special person. Very large family, and as is typical in large families, you got kids of all sizes and shapes and stripes and colors. You know, this kind, that kind, and the next kind. They're all wonderful. They're all Gvaldeca children. Each one has their own flavor, and each one does their own thing. But they're very unified as a family, and it is something about it that I have noticed My wife has noticed, we notice in our family there's something about the way they treat their parents. They treat those kids, I don't care whether they're exactly following in their father's footsteps or going in their own way or going in their own little direction. They treat their parents with reverence. And you wonder why, so I was once talking about it with somebody and this person suggested, I'll tell you why. Listen, this, this relative of yours I told you we're going to call him Ripsimcha. Ripsimcha is a master mechanach. And as a master mechanach, he you knows how to train his kids. And, and he's taught them how to, you know, you can control a classroom, you can control a, you can control a family. But it doesn't always work that way, by the way. I know plenty of master mechanachem who are good in the classroom and don't do as well as home, at home. I think there's something else to it. Let me tell you what I think is there. Ripsimcha lived in the same city as his parents And he lost first his mother, and then his father, who outlived her many, many years. His father, as he got older, Simcha took care of him, and then ultimately he moved his father into his house and showed him the greatest of covet. Now, his father was, as well, a very, very chashev, accomplished, respected person, a person whom people, very, very, very accomplished, and very respected, a person whom people looked up to, and when he spoke, people listened. You know, when he spoke, when Ibn Simcha's father spoke, people listened, people paid attention. He was used to being listened to. And he, he living in the house, as he got older, unfortunately, he, his mind was a little bit cloudy. He wasn't as clear. His opinions weren't as, as as rock solid as they had once been. And listening to him got harder and harder because he would sometimes give orders that didn't make so much sense, were very inconveniencing. And Simcha and his Rebetzin, just went along with it. Now you say, okay, in the house, what's it going to be? So he wants to eat supper. Now it's five o'clock. They weren't going to serve supper until six o'clock. Enough. Come in you work your way around that. That's not the biggest deal in the world, although it's something special. Listen to this story, please. Listen to this story. Reb Simcha and his family were going to a family simcha. They had to drive there. The simcha was very, very far away. Many hours, about a 10, 11 hour drive. Simcha loads everybody into his van. It's a large family, so many, many kids. And his wife is there, and his father's there, because he is the patriarch of the family, sitting up front next to Simcha. And Simcha starts to drive, and he's driving and driving, and suddenly his father looks at him and says, "Simcha, you're going the wrong way. He says, I am. He says, yeah, you're going the wrong way. He says, uh, ta, I don't think so. I think this is the way. And he tries to explain to his father why he's really going the right way. And his father says, Simcha, Simcha. This is the wrong way. He says, Bata, if, if, if I'm trying to get to this and this place, then, then isn't this the road? Don't we take Echveis, Route 95? He says, no, that's not how you go. Now, Reb Simcha has done this trip many, many times. I, I would venture to say well over 150 times. He knows this. He can do this in his sleep. Probably has. right? And he knows the way. And he knows that his father doesn't anymore know the way. Probably doesn't even understand where he's going. Tries to explain it to his father. His father says, no Simcha, you're going the wrong way. Listen to what the man did. He said, ta, tell me which way to go. I'll follow your directions. And his father starts telling him, get off at the next exit, then you make a light uh, left, then you make a right, then you make a left, then you make a right. This is pre-GPS days, Rabbi Isai. Pre-GPS and he's allowing his father to guide him in roads that his father doesn't know and that he doesn't know. And this continued for more than one hour. His father was taking him back. Can you imagine how many hours it took him to get back on? He had no idea where he was. But his father told him where to go. And when you're a Shomei Bakoil Aviv, you go where your father tells you to go. Hours and hours and hours. He went out of his way because he was a Shemei Abba I never heard a story from him. He would never tell me anything about this. To him this was daily. I heard it from one of his children who said to me, I knew my father is great. I know what an amazing person my father is. I know how many lives he's changed. I know how much Torah he's taught. I know his mysterious never Shalom. But that night I learned something about my father that I have never imagined in my life. And my respect for my father grew to the level my father is in Malachalokim. I I I just I, I this is there's no limits to the respect that us children, we were so annoyed, we were so angry, but we were so unbelievably impacted by what took place that night. Boy, say We want our kids to listen to us. Oh yeah, we sure do. Not because of us. We want, us, we want them to listen to us so that they listen to the rabbinic shalom. That's the first thing. You've got to make sure that that's the point. It's not about me. It's not about my covenant. It's about the rabbinic shalom's covenant. But we want our kids to listen to us so that they have to listen to the Rebbein But the way to do it is we have to model it for them. When our parents talk to us, for those who are lucky enough to have that, how do we respond? Are we shome'a l'divre'hem? Do we listen to their words? Or are we shome'a b'kolehem? Are we listening to their voices? And if we listen to our parents' voices, our children will listen to our voices. No questions asked. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. StoriesToInspire.org